Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's the in any situation. For example, what is the right way to kill a Jedi? Poison his sushi with polonium 2010. Spoilers. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. We're in the Phoenix in London. I'm Daniel Ward. I'm with me trying to do the right thing today. On my left, he recently cameoed in the pages of 2000 AD alongside Judge Dredd. The psychopathic do-gooding fascist is here as ever. It's Michael Legg. <laughs> who tells us how nice Derek is. A bit like Ricky Gervais's very own Joseph Goebbels. It's Kerry Godlin. <laughs> <laughs> and on my right, she now plays every female character on Radio 4. Abolish the licence fee. It's Margaret Cavon Smith. <laughs> and with her, he's the white-suited mastermind on the chase. A bit like ITV's version of Wilson Fisk with Bradley Walsh's Daredevil. It's Paul Sinar. <laughs> Round one, Mother Brothers. The importance of being right. Just like a used cigarette enthusiast googling dirty butts, I've run into some unexpected problems online. <laughs> In this round, I'm going to give each team a scenario, and they're going to tell me what the right thing to do is, according to Peter Kay's best friend, Vladimir Putinternet. <laughs> <laughs> one of those shows. <laughs> so this is for Michael and Kerry. It starts with some singing. I've built it up. <laughs> Here comes Michael and Kerry again. They're running through Glasgow away from police because they both like yummy heroin. <laughs> Not that either of you use heroin. You're high enough on life and also you have loads of money because you found a suitcase belonging to your new weird but also dead housemate who you chopped up and buried in the woods. Anyway, you definitely deserve a break after that. Michael likes the beach. Kerry wants sunshine. As a compromise, 28 days later, you're on a plane to Utah with all the suitable trekking equipment. But just as you get out your selfie stick to take some fun snaps of Michael pretending to knob a cactus, you, you both pull down a canyon and get your arms stuck under boulders you pair of dicks, but what is the right way to amputate your own arm according to howcast.com? It's a go to the hospital. You can't, I'm stuck under I'm a boulder. I'm yeah, sure you've stuck under a boulder, you're absolutely right. Even listened. There was a film about that, wasn't it, called um, Stuck Under a Boulder? You have to break your bones and then go all through every department of your arm. <laughs> There's millions of departments. <laughs> So you have to go through the theme tune of, like, are you being served? 
Are you a squeamish person, Kerry? I didn't think I was, but then the cat half killed a squirrel that was banging on the back door <laughs> and waving at me for help, and I was squeamish. Oh, the squirrel waved at you. He was going, come on, help me, help me. He was banging on the back door. And spoke English. Yeah. <laughs> and I was quite squeamish. Did you put it out of its misery? I just turned the radio up and looked away. <laughs> I thought, I'll just leave the food chain to its own devices. <laughs> I didn't want to watch. Well, Michael, you're a vegan. Would you have killed the squirrel or not? No, it's half alive. It can be all alive. If we all believe. <laughs> but if it's going to die anyway, it was a proper dilemma. Should you clob it over the head with a spade and speed it up? Or just turn the radio up and look away? This would be a better film than 127 hours. <laughs> Especially if it speaks. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. Forget it's it a Disney squirrel. It speaks, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, can't do, do it. it. I'd, uh, yeah, it I'd rather it ride than agony. And then I kept to my principles. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Yes, good, good principle. What's yeah. the, <laughs> Margaret, uh, yes. what's the most... Danielle, have you ever left an animal out to die? <laughs> yeah. What, what? It depends what scale you're talking, because I used to be a care of the elderly doctor, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you could have used my tip, which was I had a mouse in a glue trap, and so I lay a ring of tuna around it to attract a cat. <laughs> Didn't work. I had to brick it in with a paving stone. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing is, I think you've told that story before, and I think it's had the same reaction. <laughs> Paul, what's the worst injury you've seen on someone as you used to be a doctor? The worst injury is I've seen somebody with his femur hanging out of his leg, which wasn't very oh. nice. After a and I was very squeamish, which is not the professional thing to be. <laughs> That's not the worst thing I've ever seen. The worst thing I've ever seen was while I was doing care of the elderly and an old man called me to his room, he said, I'm having difficulty going to the toilet. And I assumed that he'd had some sort of bladder blockage. And what happens is your bladder swells up. So I said, well, I'll lie down, I'll have a feel of your tummy. And he said, I don't think you understand what I mean. And he turned round, and there was a massive stool hanging out of his backside. Oh. And that is the worst thing. <laughs> and did, I did you have to take it out? No, you, you got the option of going, nurse, can you deal with this? Which is a very useful <laughs> yeah. option at the time. And I did really what anybody would do at that point. It was so massive that I bleeped every doctor I knew and said, come downstairs. <laughs> Clearly not a dog owner. Exactly. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Had he eaten a lot of grass? Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the most peril you've ever been in, Margaret? What peril have I been in? Yeah, getting back to the question about oh. having your arm trapped under a boulder. Well, self-inflicted injuries, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> it's, I don't know, is pregnancy? Is that... Oh, uh... <laughs> Well, I'm saying I consented, that's what I'm saying. Um, it was a assisted pregnancy. <laughs> it was assisted pregnancy yeah. To be fair, I consented is how all great sex anecdotes start. <laughs> this is not a great sex anecdote. Yeah, I had a C-section and injected myself in my stomach and stuff. You had to inject yourself? Yeah, yeah. Wow, Do you know what? I didn't ask. That's <laughs> stupid, isn't it? Always know dressed, your dealer. If someone, <laughs> someone dressed as a doctor tells me to do something, I'll do it. That's, uh, that's you should never go to a, a sci-fi convention. <laughs> <laughs> I'll 
simplified the question then, uh, Kerry and Michael. What should you do before you go at your arm with a knife? You have to do the tourniquet thing, don't you? That is a thing. Because otherwise blood goes every fucking way. This is it. So, yeah, all over. Well, that is, uh, that is what they say, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> you sit on it first, you know? It goes all numb. And it feels, feels like, like someone ev- else's <laughs> No, it feels like every person I've ever slept with. <laughs> to correct her was both. <laughs> You really hate that other guy, don't you? <laughs> ben, is anybody close? Well, I'm going to give Kerry and Michael three points. Because they hit all the marks. According to Howcast.com, it's not easy to cut through your own bone unless you happen to have a power tool on you. So the first thing you need to do is break the bones in your arm. Point for that. Then put on a tourniquet. Point for tourniquet. Then you can start soaring through your skin and muscles. Try to avoid major arteries until the end. All <laughs> <laughs> the Point for that. Uh, and once you've completely cut off your arm, undo the tourniquet and bandage the stump. And um, whatever tool you have, seek medical attention. <laughs> Margaret and Paul, you're enjoying an evening out at one of those secret sex clubs. Paul is autographing naked fans, and Margaret is enjoying the plentiful canapes and crying when anyone asks her what she does for a living. <laughs> midnight a bell tolls and 15 of the most glorious bodies parade in front of you ready for pleasure a man in a mask tells you the party will continue its mansion and gives you a leaflet detailing the peccadilloes of all the other guests you jump in the back of a cab and scan through the reading material but oh no this prompts a bout of nausea so what is the right way to deal with car sickness according to webmd.com how would you stop car sickness Yes, that's the question. You probably try and concentrate on the 15 amazingly hot men that you're, that you're, that you're about to visit. Visit, is that the right word? It's a euphemism. Conquer, yeah. that you're about to conquer. Yeah. We're just interested in the sex part. And the canopies. What, what, what? Can you detail these canopies? Does travel sickness bother you at all? Well, you, the best thing to do is to stop reading your book and concentrate on your driving, I suppose. <laughs> I never know why that is, because I do get travel sick if I read in a car, not driving one, obviously, but in the passenger seat. But why don't you get it if you read on a plane or a train? I because think... if someone's sick in a car, your dad puts down some shaken back, but if someone's sick on a train or in a plane, they clean it properly. Oh, I never thought of that. It's the residual <laughs> sick... My dad used to always buy cars that cost 150 quid off of Gumtree, so there's always a lot of vomit in them. <laughs> Was you a vomiter? No, no, I'm not a vomiter, but the people before were always vomiters. Oh, right. Yeah. No, oh, a pisser. Um... <laughs> I've only ever been sick because transport once, but it was spectacular. I mean, even the scenery, beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I was in uh, Hong Kong. Oh. Just drink that in. <laughs> Not the sick part. Um, I know, I'd been drinking heavily the night before and I was in a bus, I was in the backseat of a bus uh, going up a mountain in Hong Kong and I feel really nauseous and hot and sweaty and a bit delicious and I throw up on the floor of this bus and the few people sitting in front of me are so disgusted that they get up and then move to the very front of the bus, which is fine, except that we're going up this mountain and sooner or later we're going to start going down this mountain. And that's when all my sick followed them. (laughs) Good times. 
I don't have my own vomit story, but I do have one of karma, which is my dad telling me and my sister off for getting drunk at a wedding. And then on the way back home, while being driven home by my mum, he tries to vomit out the window of the car <laughs> and forgets to wind down the window. <laughs> with other people's vomit. I find it really offensive. That's so unusual, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'd be really bad that I brought some with me now. <laughs> I'm rather hoping it's an integral part of this imaginary sex party. <laughs> oh, I was just uh, Paul, have you ever been invited to a sex party? No, I've gay-crushed a few. <laughs> I have been to a sex party. <laughs> And it was great because there was about 15 people and someone gave a speech at the beginning saying... Gave a thank- speech? <laughs> Genuinely. Saying, did ting, he ting, actually ting, say... Ting, ting, ting. Have you yes. never had sex? <laughs> speech. <laughs> the speech is afterwards. Oh, really? Yeah. No. So, oh, right, someone no. genuinely gave an introductory speech where he said, thank you all for coming. And... Uh, <laughs> and someone went, we haven't come yet. <laughs> That's kind of the joy of it. A Radio 4 sex party? No, it wasn't a Radio 4 sex party. But Nicholas Parsons was there. I think he has to be at all of them. Deviation. (laughs) Before I move on, has anybody else been to a sex party? My mum Why would any of us be... What? She went there accidentally. Yeah, she, she did the catering. <laughs> when she was 17 and somebody found her and just said no. And <laughs> just made her leave. <laughs> I think she was pleased about it. She was 17. Mm. Oh. Let's have a moment's silence for my, <laughs> my mother's removal from sex parties. Could they have sex parties in Northern Ireland? <laughs> Well, we make our love on Wasteland. Uh, yeah, they probably are. I mean, why would I be invited? It'd be like inviting a uh, genius to a pub quiz, right? <laughs> Next time on a pub quiz, I'm going to visualise you having sex, Michael, which is a, a yeah. very weird thing. Yeah. Not for the first time. <laughs> Makes the quiz last longer, doesn't it? Yes. I sort of feel I have to get off this now. What's what's the best place to sit in a car? (laughs) Sit in the front and look at the horizon is the answer, isn't it? Ben, what's the actual answer? This is a high-scoring show. I'm going to give um, Margaret and Paul two and a half points. Yes! Um... So, according to WebMD.com, motion sick... Oh, yeah, yeah. In a car... <laughs> it's boring. If you can... Ben, Ben's finally broken. Yeah. Uh, in a car, if you can be the driver, you almost certainly won't get motion sickness. The next best thing is to sit in the passenger seat, look out the front window a lot, so that you see the curves coming up in the road. So one point for that, for sitting in the front, look at the horizon. Um, stop what reading. What else did we say? Yeah, stop, stop reading. reading. Point for that. And Paul also said the canapes were good, so I've got half, <laughs> half a mark for that because it says don't travel on an empty stomach. Any small low-fat meal should help. <laughs> Brilliant. Ben, at the end of that round, what are the points? It's a high-scoring round. Margaret and Paul have two and a half. Michael and Kerry have three. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This next round is agony. In this round, I'll be getting the panel to answer some real-life problems from our audience. But before that, let's see if the moral compass in their hiking boots is working. Margaret, could you please read this? Dear Agony Aunt, my 14-year-old son recently came across some Polaroid pictures of me that his father took. (laughs) Back when we were both 14. shoebox filled with adolescent memories. That sounds (laughs) like a euphemism. You can't really tell that the pictures are of me as my appearance has changed pretty dramatically since then. But the problem is that they are nude shots. My son came to me really worried that his father was potentially hoarding teenage porn. I'm not sure what to do. Which is worse, thinking your father has kiddie porn or knowing that you just saw a 14-year-old version of your mother naked. (laughs) It's a good problem. There's just layers and layers. I think the the big question, really, in all this is, what is the cut-off age for you to be a (laughs) paedophile? What, so if you're 14 and you fancy a 14-year-old, then you're not a paedophile? Yeah, but they were both 14 when they took the picture. Yeah, so you're not a paedophile. Who's the paedophile? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I hear Jimmy Savile's not to be trusted. is now looking at pictures of the 14-year-old this is keep destroying photos of the people you love after it becomes unacceptable to look at move to a country where it is acceptable there's loads of those where 14 is entirely I've got a bit you kept That sort of memorabilia is just meant to make you feel sweetly nostalgic, yes, isn't exactly, it? Yes, exactly. Rather exactly. than, oh, it's a bit of 14-year-old gash, which is not really... <laughs> not really what yeah, you Yeah, but it's his mum's gash. <laughs> gash his mum's 14-year-old It's his gash that he has watched age. It's a gash he came out of! It was like the Wonder Years era of gash. Right? That gash probably has a lovely... Voiceover. <laughs> it was at that point in my life that I realised my gash was only going to get older. <laughs> if this was a Greek tragedy, he'd just stab his eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> but that is probably what the agony aunt says. It's an Oedipus yeah. thing. Stab your eyes out. Harry and Margaret, you're both mothers. What would you do if your teenage... M- move, leave, go. <laughs> Close all relationships go. down. Go, <laughs> goodbye. Sorry, it's awful. Bye. <laughs> No, but the sun's been wanking to the pictures. No, he hasn't. Yes, he has. That's another twist in 
the story. No, Kerry, he wouldn't have he gone to his mum. He has. He has. This story's fucked. Kerry, <laughs> you're fucked. He found the pictures and thought, I'll just crack one off to these before I show no, them to mum. If his dad was wanking to it, he'll have this, wanked to it. This, <laughs> you think wanking is hereditary? This sounds like... Uh, yes. Everyone's wanking, Margaret. No, but to the, to the same all wanking. thing. This sounds like a Ken Loach version of Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> Got me Kesha swanging off the mum's ball of rice. Any uh, racy selfies? I um I wasn't naked until I was eighteen. Um, but like recently, not. Oh, the recent not, not ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I've got a four-month-old baby. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, my body's totally hot at the moment. So I really want to preserve this. Um, no, no, purely because I don't want my baby son to find them at any point. <laughs> My baby's wanking, I'll be furious. Um, no, so I think, I think you can't let your child think that their dad is a pedo. Seriously. That's one of those great morals in that. No, you have to say, yeah, that's me. And in, in that way, yeah. if he has been wanking, that's a punishment, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, that'll earn you. Yeah. Any <laughs> time you wank, you'll make a me. Uh, Michael and Kerry, what would your advice be? Um, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, Michael, did this happen to you? <laughs> well, Michael, if you found out that you had been wanking over pictures of your mother, yeah. how would that make you feel? Try um, to remember. <laughs> well, obviously, disgusted, but unfortunately, every single time I'm disgusted with myself, I get the horn. <laughs> and don't lie like you don't. <laughs> Producer Ben, what did the real agony aunt say? Oh, thank God this is over. <laughs> is that what she said? <laughs> well, I'm going to give a point to uh, Margaret and Paul because she, uh, this is from Dear Prudence at Slate.com. She said, since your son's worried about child porn, I think you have to tell him the truth. And then her advice is, get a photo of yourself, this is very specific, get a photo of yourself clothed at age 14, put it next to the dirty picture and put a post-it note over your nude body, just keeping your head exposed. Then show both pictures to your son and explain he's discovered some ancient history about his mum and dad and there's nothing for him to worry about. Make sure all the naughty photos are put somewhere safe and inaccessible and I don't mean the underwear drawer. Wow. So. I once went to the loo, right, when I was about 12, and when I went to the loo, just once, got it all done on my 12th birthday. I <laughs> got it all over. And I saw a condom in the loo. I didn't know what a condom was, but I looked at it and went, that's not right, there's something weird about this. And uh, I went downstairs to my living room and I just said to my parents, what was that in the toilet? They both went red and realised, you know how a parent would go, well, let's sit him down and tell him. They just went, oh, fuck off. <laughs> and that's how I learned about the Catholic birds and the Protestant bees. <laughs> Now you've learnt how a real agony is. <laughs> Let's see you deal with some problems from tonight's audience. Is Sim here? 
Uh, Sim's problem is, I'm going to Dubai on Saturday, yet it contradicts just about every human characteristic I hold dear. Um, <laughs> so, Sim, why are you going to Dubai? Uh, it's my anniversary. Yeah, it's an anniversary holiday. But whose decision was it to go there? Mine. <laughs> it was yours, but your principles are very disposable. <laughs> yeah. Tormented by his decision, he sounds. <laughs> So did you book the tickets and then realise it's a terrible slave state shithole? Yes, I suppose so. The, the, <laughs> it seemed like a good idea when I booked it. And I'm when was that? Like 20 years ago? Or no, it was like, <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, three months ago, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, so, do you want us to advise you to not go? Yeah. yeah. He wants us to absolve him yeah, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much a man of principle. I'm disgusted by what you have to say. The only way you could possibly get me to go to Dubai is if every 18 months you offered me a series of comedy gigs performing in front of expats out there. All expenses paid. That's the only reason I ever go. What are they like? Really a tax free. Oh no. <laughs> For what it's worth, you won't Go enjoy it because at this time of year it's yeah, genuinely it's really way too hot and so you'll need to be indoors all the time. So you, you won't enjoy it, which is kind of your own punishment. It'll make you feel better about it. Yes! <laughs> oh, Sim, do you know, have a lovely holiday. <laughs> right, it's Katie Kerr here. Yeah. Yes. Katie, Katie's problem is I have to be naked in a film and my boyfriend is not directing it. Help. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, tell us. I've been asked to do a short film and I am not your average person to be naked. And, um, yeah. You're incredibly glamorous. Oh, thank you very much. Um, when you say naked, is it like uh, dead prostitute naked? Or <laughs> no, it's fun um, sex naked. No, not fun sex. It's pretty horrible. Sex. Pretty horrible. <laughs> yeah. it's, Hor it's horrible sex. Right, it's sitting in a chair talking about being fat. <laughs> Oh my god. Is this the Paddington movie sequel? Yeah. <laughs> is it a documentary or is it a. Are you arcting? Arcting. You're arcting. You haven't fallen into this by accident though, have you? No. You, at some point you've said yes. Did you audition? Yes. Was the job listed on Craigslist? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Do you believe in the project? Is yes. It? Okay. Yeah. So, well, so, great... so, any tips of taking your clothes off? No. Oh, just take your clothes off. Never taking your clothes off. Do you know how buttons work? <laughs> socks first. <laughs> no, socks last. That's, no, that's socks the first. sexiest. Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true, yeah. It won't just be the director, though, will it? There'll be the whole crew there watching. Yeah, yeah more than one person. <laughs> Has anybody here been naked on screen? No. Not publicly. <laughs> when I was 14. <laughs> seems to be glowering. <laughs> what is your problem with her? Uh, he's not a boy my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, is he the director? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the question, what is your problem? <laughs> What's your fucking What's problem, your fucking mate? Problem, You've been I sitting at the front like all night, leaving. just sitting there vaguely laughing. <laughs> What is your relationship to Katie? He's the director. Are oh, you? Yeah. To the director guy, have you seen uh, the film Audition? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, you're going to die. You clearly have a, a, a close-ish relationship, yeah. You know each other. Yes. Phew. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you attracted to one another? Um. Oh my <laughs> lord, Kerry. Well, you don't need to make the film, just yeah. have a fuck. <laughs> It's a really expensive way to get laid. Um, Katie, who would you give points to on the panel for their advice? Um, you two. That's Michael and Kerry. Um, at the end of that round, what are the points, producer Ben? Mark and Paul now three and a half, and Michael and Kerry have four. Oh. Even though Paul is a trained doctor, let's pretend he's a right dum-dum as we ask the experts. This is the round where we make ourselves look like right wise banks in front of trained professionals by trying to guess what the said trained professional is thinking. So let's welcome today's expert, trained professional, evolutionary biologist Simon Watts. <laughs> Simon, how did you get into being an evolutionary biologist? Um, I just always like how things fit, I guess. <laughs> I don't mean like genes, I mean like how one animal fits with another. Um, sex and death, basically. It, it's kind of like the, um, the Tarantino movie of the sciences. You know, it's sex, death, that's all evolutionary biology is. Oh, and what's your favourite species ever? Uh, the Canadian blue grey tail dropper slug. Woo! <laughs> We all have a nickname for it. <laughs> it is genuinely really cool. Like, if you scare it, its bum drops off. Like, that's it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Just that, Michael. So, right, panel, in a moment, you're going to have to second-guess what Simon would do in some biology-based scenarios. But before then, you've got a chance to get to know him a little bit better by asking some questions. Are you a Catholic or a Protestant? <laughs> oh, man. I'm also from Northern Ireland, as you can tell, so I'm equally confused and aggressive. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I like that you said also. A lot of people don't know who I am. I once got heckled with, why don't you fuck off back to Bristol? <laughs> Are all uh, evolutionary biologists as hot as you? <laughs> don't you wish your biologist was as hot as me? <laughs> It's called Survival of the Fittest, and you're doing very well. Very well, isn't it? You're giving me very good lighting. <laughs> I'm going to start blushing. Thank you. You're too nice. Seriously, though, Catholic or Protestant? <laughs> Neither. Ambivalent. Ah, Presbyterian. <laughs> Um, if you had to marry Charles Darwin or David Attenborough, who would you choose? <laughs> oh, um, I might go for David Attenborough, but it Gay. would Because he's alive. It would so be a bit of an Oedipus thing, though, because he kind of is the biology daddy, you know, so I do think of him as my biology granddad. And Charles Darwin wrote a list of reasons not to get married and ones to get married. He did this genuinely in his diaries, and his best reason to get married was, it's better than a dog anyhow. He actually wrote that down. Gay. <laughs> right, panel. Here's the first question that we put to Simon. Simon is with a team of scientists trekking through the rainforest looking for the very rare Bolivian saber-toothed rabbit. Very few people have seen it, 
let alone been able to study it. It's very tiny. And after months of fruitless searching, the team are beginning to understand why. After a long day walking through muddy terrain, Simon is back at camp scraping the claggy earth from his boots when he realises it isn't claggy earth after all. It is the remains of a crushed Bolivian sabre-toothed oh, rabbit. I feel really upset about Which it. Which he stepped on by mistake. What would Simon do in this situation? Oh, cry. <laughs> I reckon he Jurassic Park the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah? Do you like Jurassic Park? Yeah, it's like the Bible to us. <laughs> Margaret, what would you do? You've um, everybody's been looking for this rabbit, and you've it does sound like something I do. It does sound like you do. <laughs> you've stood on it. What would you do? Um, you can still study it if it's dead, right? Is it the last the one? Choice? Yeah, is it the it's last? totally the last one. I don't think it's the last one. It's we'll be all right then. Rare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Simon, what would you do in this situation? Well, probably scrape it off and try and do the best I could with it. So if it's dead anyway, the thing is actually we document species all the time that are dead. Like half the time, if you go, you fog a tree, you smoke up a tree, and you're killing things just to prove they were alive without any (laughs) form of irony. So you get tons of... It's very common to identify species that are dead. So you're all right. That's what I said. Yeah, so you'd probably get the points if I have to... Yeah! So you're right with booting something in the head then, that's good to know. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to, it's not uh, choice, but if you have to, you make do with what you have. I know people who've identified species from dung, like they've looked in the dung to see the things that have been eaten and actually identified them from the charred, eaten remains. What, what would you have done if you were one of the scientists in the film The Thing? <laughs> I would assume I'm the thing and quarantine myself I think I've had a choice for studying oh my god that's the most beautiful answer I've ever heard to anything <laughs> the thing is this actually happened so Charles Darwin it didn't happen no, no, not <laughs> situation with the rabbit they, uh, they were searching for the Lacerea in South America and he found it when he discovered he was eating it um, oh careless yeah so the, the, the chef it's a slightly it. different film but what would you have done if you were the Heath Ledger character in Brokeback Mountain <laughs> Paul we're trying to win points here <laughs> what would you have done about the squirrel at the back door oh no that was my question <laughs> I've actually been in that situation. Like, like, this is really gross. But... <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a bird which went straight into our window and it broke its head so that it was looking at me through the window with its head upside down. Oh, God. Did you turn the radio up a little so, way? <laughs> I went and got some bread thinking I couldn't kill it, but I could let it die surrounded by food in kind of paradise. But as I went outside and I went to feed it the bread... This scared it, so it took off, and as its head was upside down, it flew backwards into a field where a horse stood on it and ate it. Oh my god! That's, I don't feel as bad extraordinary now. expert. I don't feel anywhere near as bad, no. Actually true. Here's the next 
question. <laughs> Simon is flying back from a game of international zoo animal swapsies in China. In the plane with him are three rare and endangered animals. A panda, a kakapo, and a Cuban selenodon. But oh no, something's wrong. The plane is plummeting towards the earth. The pilots have already bailed, and now it's just Simon and the animals with one reinforced parachute between them. Simon can take one animal with him. Which would he take in this situation? Well, not the kakapo, because that can fly. <laughs> well, you say that. <laughs> Isn't it the world's only flightless parrot? Yes, it is. Oh, the bollocks! Only... <laughs> it's I knew the kiwi parrot. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> what are the other animals? A selenodon. And panda. a panda. Oh, panda. Because they're adorable. <laughs> Pandas have really good PR. Yeah, and actually, they're a totally in-your-face logo. But also, they're quite heavy. What's a selenodon? It's a uh, rodent from Cuba. It's one of the few venomous mammals in the world. I like it. Where does the venom... Is the venom from the mouth? Yeah, which is what's rare. It's actually got, like, grooves in the teeth, so it's almost like a viper. It's almost like syringes. Wow. Save yeah, that one. save that. Save that one. Fuck pandas. But that might... It might bite you. bite you on the way down. That would be... Oh, it would be like that fable where the doodah bites yes, the flim-flam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the famous fable. Yeah. Don't save the venomous mammal. Bad times. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the venomous mammal. I'm going yeah, with, with it. The Cuban slender. Yeah, down. yeah. I'm sticking with panda. Really oh no, we're on the same team. Well, the, the panda. Oh. Look, look. Let's let's not be about the bush here. Take the panda. You're both going to plummet to your death. There's no parachute strong enough. Hey, but the panda would be a lovely cuddle on the way down, and maybe that's the cushion. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It'd be the panda. He'd be on it with a cowboy hat going. Yip, yip. <laughs> I think you'd take the selenodon. Just because it's the most interesting of the... That's, that's your job, to be interested in interesting creatures. Um, Simon, what would you actually do in this situation? I'm a bit torn. It wouldn't be the panda, because, uh, for a start, I don't really like them. And <laughs> as, Just a personal. No, they are, Too much PR. They're a media tart of the conservation world. <laughs> do you know why they're the WWF's logo? This is genuine. No. So, like, okay, they're cute, they're Easy endangered. Easy to draw. Two colours. Black and white. Save the money in colour photocopying. That's entirely true. But, <laughs> as well as that, the reason it's got the big pudgy face is because it eats bamboo, so it can give you a really bad nip. So, a startled panda that's in a bad mood because it's plummeting to its death is probably going to try and bite you. The Cubelin Slenodon, okay, it's venomous, but it's incredibly rare. I'd love to save it as well if I could but they do get bitey when they handle them, they do have gloves because of the poison. So probably the kakapo because, uh, well for a start, the selenodon stinks, it smells of like a kind of a goat. Um, <laughs> the kakapo has a sweet oaty odor, apparently. And You're not gonna it, drink it. <laughs> and when scared, it freezes, so it'd be easy to grab hold of and manage on the way down. No one got that. No, I did! Fuck no. you! <laughs> Well, I kind of got it when I said that he was incredibly hot, which is very much... <laughs> you just got to start paying attention, Paul. Listen. Uh, Simon, before you go, is there anything you would like to plug for us? Uh, sure. Um, I run the Ugly Animal Preservation Society. Did anybody hear that the blobfish was elected the world's ugliest animal? Yeah. Right. That was us. We do that. Uh, <laughs> so we do comedy about conservation. We'll have gigs coming up. Look out for them. Oh, Simon Watt, thank you very much. <laughs> Now I can move on with the 
the second half of my life. <laughs> Before we hit the final round, what are the scores, producer Ben? Michael and Kerry have four, and Margaret and Paul have gone into the lead with five and a half. Oh. Yeah. Now, just like that manual, sex with wheelie bins, it's time to do the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing! Do the wrong thing! In this round, I want the panellists to tell me what is the wrongest thing to do in any given situation. The winner gets two fingers anywhere they like. <laughs> the round ends with a toot from producer Ben's Horn of Good Hope. It's not a thing. <laughs> Gordon's alive! What is the wrong thing to do? Cremate him. <laughs> Louis C.K. wants to show you something in his dressing room. What is the wrong thing to do? Uh, go and see Bill Cosby instead. <laughs> <laughs> you burp so loudly it shatters any glass within 100 metres. What is the wrong thing to do? Neck a pint of Cresta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy with that. <laughs> a ghost in a lighthouse asks you to avenge her death. <laughs> what is the wrong thing to do? Book a holiday in a lighthouse again. <laughs> You find a sentient peanut. What is the wrong thing to do? Take a bet on Snapchat. I'm a Feed it to a do? child with a nut allergy. <laughs> double wrong. ITV want you to play Bergerac. <laughs> wow. At their Christmas party. <laughs> what is the wrong thing to do? Black up. <laughs> <laughs> As Rocky Balboa once said, whose stuff is this in my locker? So what are the final scores, Ben? <laughs> it's an actual quote from the film. The scores are exciting. Not, not really, actually. Uh, Margaret... <laughs> Boring scores! <laughs> Michael and Kerry have got five, but Margaret and Paul have walked away with it with nine and a half. Hello, my name is Danielle Ward from the podcast Do The Right Thing, which you may or may not have heard of. I am taking a show to the Edinburgh Fringe this year. It is called Seventeen, and it is on at the Just The Tonic Caves at 2.40 every day, except for the 15th, but that's just admin. Would you, would you like us to advertise this year? Yes, you do it now, you do it. Hi. We're Danielle Ward, and we have a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. This is the worst episode of Whose Line Is Anyway? And you can come and see my show, 17, at 2.40 at Just the Tonic Cave. Not the 15th. Not the 15th. You can come on the 15th, but you'll be up Fuck Creek. <laughs> Tickets are £6. Who the hell are you? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.